Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation chapter 9 and we pick up at verse 13. And it is the account of the sixth angel sounding his trumpet, the sixth trumpet. Awful things are happening, have been happening on planet earth and I'm not talking about the daily news, I'm talking about the time of the tribulation. You can only imagine how bad circumstances will be. So we continue here in verse 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice from one of the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel, the one having the trumpet, release the four angels, those having been bound at the great Euphrates River. A voice means that it was one voice. I believe it's the voice of the lamb. Note from whence the voice comes, it comes from uh, the four horns of the golden altar before God, that is the altar of incense. We've seen this twice before. And this fits in with what we've already seen in um, chapter six of the Revelation. The martyred saints of the first half of the tribulation are seen in a, in a disembodied intermediate state clothed in white robes and they're, they're praying, their prayers, they're put under the altar. So, so they're lifting up a prayer, they're lifting up prayers and their prayers or prayer are a joint prayer for vengeance on what has happened. Prior to that, when you go back and study the altar of incense uh, in the Old Testament, it was, it was, it was the altar where the priest would bring the incense, the fire off the brazen altar and put it at it with the incense. And then the incense would smoke in a sweet smell before God had bring that to the golden altar. And those were prayers for mercy. Those would be prayers that God would have mercy on the worshiper. Now, note the progression of the prayers that arise from this altar. Now that first altar, of course, is on planet Earth. Here, this golden altar is in heaven. And now the prayers are prayers for vengeance. In other words, prayers for a conclusion to the time of man so that the kingdom of God could be established. That's, that's, a, that's, that's not a bad prayer. Then in chapter eight, previous chapter, uh, the angel took those prayers, he took that censer and, and he threw the coals of fire and those prayers, the prayers of all the saints are discharged onto planet earth and 
and uh, an earthquake and rumbling and thunders and lightnings, all this stuff starts happening, which brings the, the great hailstorm and all that stuff that comes next with the next trumpet. Well, uh, or the, uh, the next trumpet. Then um, here, the golden altar is mentioned again. And from there, now what was the, what was the previous prayer of the saints, the martyred saints? How long before you will avenge our blood on those earth dwellers? The previous trumpet, we saw a demonic horde come from the abyss. And they were just awful. And they tormented mankind for five months and nobody died for five months. Think about that. No death recorded. Already we have seen 25%, one-fourth of mankind killed to this point. Here, the command is given with this sixth trumpet, release the four angels, those having been bound at the great Euphrates River. I think there's a, a fairly deep... Uh, meaning to this, having been bound is in the perfect uh, participle, it's in the perfect tense. So it speaks of an action in the past that carries ongoing results. So these, these angels have been bound for some time and the restraining of the result of, rest, of the restraint upon these four angels has carried through to this time. Now, who are these four angels? Well, they obviously, you don't bind good angels, so these are fallen angels. They are evil magnates. They are, they are evil, powerful angels who have been active in the past. And this is, this is what I think. Okay, note that the Holy Spirit of God through, or the Lord through John says, they have been bound at the great Euphrates River. This would be in Iraq. So I trace the history of the Euphrates River all the way back. Now the topography of the earth would have been different in the pre-flood world, I'm sure. But there was a Euphrates and a Tigris River in the pre-flood world. So it carries a connotation about it that deserves study and observation and reflection. Having been bound at the great Euphrates River. So what has happened in biblical history? Well, that's where, uh, that's where the first sin was committed. That's where Satan initiated his assault on mankind and deceived mankind it was there where the first, in that area, that was where the first murder was committed. The first grave was dug. Uh, you can go on from there, um, moving over beyond the flood, after the flood. Uh, you can know that uh, the Tower of Babel was built as a, as a great rebellion in that, uh, in that region. Moving, moving on from there, Israel's greatest enemies came from that area. Um, the Babylonian captivity uh, was there, their years of misery as captives, all in, at the Euphrates uh, River. 
But when we go back to the book of Daniel, I have an interesting book. I think the title is Daniel. Daniel reveals revelation or something like that. And of course, the apocalyptic Daniel is the Old Testament apocalyptic book, major apocalyptic book. And the Revelation is the major New Testament apocalyptic book. They say practically the same thing, but we get, we get certain things from one and certain from the other. But generally, they both give us the same information. However, Daniel is praying after Cyrus and the, and the Medes and the Persians had uh, conquered Babylon. And Daniel was serving Cyrus. And so he was praying about his people, the plight of his people, what was going to happen to Israel. And while he was praying, a man in white linen came, touched him uh, on his shoulder and uh, probably Gabriel, the angel, doesn't name him, I don't think, in Daniel 10. But uh, he tells him that you know, before he ever bent his knee to pray, God knew his prayer and all that. And he goes on and he says, I would have, I would have come to you earlier, but I was in a fight with the prince of Persia. Michael had to come and help me. And so I've come to give you this comfort. You're a man who is greatly beloved and all that. And then he says, I have to go back to my fight with the prince of Persia and behold, the prince of Greece is beginning to rise. Now, these are four angels, Euphrates River, the, the statue, the image of which Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, four of them. It seems to me then that when God finished accomplishing what he intended to accomplish regarding the Roman Empire, he bound these powerful angels, one of each, in my opinion, because of Daniel 10, one of each who presided over each of those four empires that mistreated the people of God. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now there are four of them. And it would seem to me that it was in the purpose of God after Rome and with the development of the church that these four angels should be bound and they were bound at the great Euphrates River. That's in Iraq. I'm going to submit to you that there, are all, <laughs> there have always been all kinds of problems in that area and it affects the whole world. Still does. That's, they are still bound. The time has not come for them to be unbound. And I think that 
part of their having been bound is, has to do with the work in the church by the Holy Spirit, which serves to restrain evil. But what happens when every level of society turns on the elect of God? Fair game, going to kill them. Everybody rejoice. That's pretty much what happens in the tribulation. It seems to me that each of the four angels of those four empires carried that plan with them all the way. So it would be strong angels who have, who have demon hordes who follow them to, to attack the world through an empire or through powerful government. That being the case, consider the, the time here. Apparently the star had fallen and the the tail of, of the dragon swept a third of the stars. They no longer have access to heaven. Apparently this is when Michael and his army defeated the dragon and his army and they're cast out of heaven to the earth and the earth has said woe to you because he's fallen down to you like this. So he has his demons of the air. He has his demons of the earth. He has his demons now from the abyss which is under the earth. There are still four powerful allies who apparently each have their armies, their individual armies. Talk about that as we go along. So the fair game when they are released at this time is not going to be the elect of God because in the course of the sixth trumpet, I would submit that this signals the end of mercy and grace and nobody else was going to be added to the elect of God. I think the language proves that. So that means that these four angels with their demonic armies would no longer just be focused on the elect of God as they were in Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. But now they're going to be focused on the rest of mankind. But as we saw previously, they, they won't be able to harm anyone with the seal of God upon them. So these, these four powerful angels have, have been released with this sixth trumpet. And the four angels were released having been prepared for the hour and, the, and day and month and year so that they might kill a third of mankind. And the number of the armies of the horsemen was twice 10,000, 10,000, and in the Greek that comes up to 200 million. I heard their number. <laughs> in other words, John said, I didn't sit there and count them. Somebody told me how many there were. So there were 200 million of them. Now, I know what some people think. Some people think, what is it, the sixth bowl that's poured out and the army of the east, the kings of the east and all that. And they think this is a Chinese army or whatever. And, 
and they think the description that follows is a description of modern warfare or whatever. I don't think so because you can't equate, in my view, you can't equate the judgment of the sixth trumpet with a judgment that falls from one of the bowls that's poured out. So that's two different things. It also follows immediately after the release of these four angels and then armies appear. 200 million, uh, 200 million, in my view, uh, demons who have, this is the first time they've been given access since the time of the binding of those four angels. Now, this is just my view. This is my theological persuasion on the context. 200 million of them. So that means that uh, each angel has 50 million demons, right? Something like that. Their job now to kill a third of mankind. Okay, we've already seen one fourth of mankind killed. Now what's left is a third of mankind. Let me think about this. One fourth would be three twelfths. One third would be four twelfths. So that's seven twelfths, right? Seven twelfths of humanity, the human population that went into the tribulation. Now, I don't know how many would have been raptured and, uh, from among the living, I don't know. But right now, the earth population is around 8 billion. 7 twelfths is somewhere around 60%. So that's uh, 4 million, 5 million people. I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. So at this point, more people, and I'm, not, I'm talking about earth dwellers. I'm not talking about saints, martyred saints. More people, if you added them, it, it, even, it even solidifies the premise. More people now have been killed than at this point remain alive because of the attack. Now, look at this. Prepared for the hour and day and month and year. Somewhere in the future, this would have to be somewhere, if, if we were raptured right now, this event would have to be somewhere about five years into the tribulation. Because it's well into the great tribulation at this point. So, here... And probably further into the great tribulation than that. So at this point, nearly 60% of the living human race, the elect notwithstanding who are slaughtered and martyred, have been killed. They're dead. So they're in Hades. They're in the netherworld of the wicked dead, awaiting their sad resurrection unto damnation to be cast in the lake of fire. So they're dead. That's it for them. 
the hour, day, month, and year. This supremely speaks of the sovereignty of God. Here's what it says. It says there is a specific point all the way down to the hour when God will command that these four angels are released. It's already written on God's calendar. It is predetermined by God and there's nothing anybody can do. So it's not going to happen today. We haven't been raptured yet. It won't happen in three or four years. It's probably going to be five or six years into the tribulation. The specificity of the language speaks of the meticulous sovereign rule of God. That's not going to change. Prepared for the hour, day, month, and year. Telling us that God is in absolute control of all of the events. Even as troubled as we are today with the events that are happening in the world and our nation, God is in absolute control. We're, I believe the world is on a fast track to judgment. And we saw what happened when the second seal was opened what we are experiencing or what we're seeing or observing today is, a, is, is, is very tiny and small. It's, a, it's, a, it's an illustration of this thing happening worldwide, worldwide lawlessness and chaos. Uh, remember we talked about the sword, it was a common man's dagger. So it speaks of civil war among people, Christ said, nation shall rise against nation. And the word for nation is ethnos. Ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. That's a sign of the end of the age. Now we're not there yet because Christ is referencing, in my view, the breaking of the second seal. So as, as horrifying and as bad as it is today, it's not a drop in the bucket to what's going to happen at the second seal. And, and really, that's one, of the brighter, that's one of the brighter points of the tribulation. It gets a whole lot worse from there. Now, here, the description of these armies. Horses, in the vision, I saw them. Now, you see... Uh, do you see that word like? Okay, we've seen that. That means that John has to use metaphorical language because he's never seen anything like that before. I'll give you the difference, for example, between modern Hebrew, one of the differences, a lot of differences, modern Hebrew and biblical Hebrew. In modern Hebrew... In biblical Hebrew, there was no word for a computer. So, you know, what would you, how would you describe that with the language that existed in the day? I don't know how you'd, you know, um, I don't know, a box with, with uh, graphics and an inscription. I don't know how you, but uh, here 
he's describing in the best way what he sees, all right? These, these armies, they are, they are prepared for battle. Their job is to kill. You see a man or a woman or a child, kill him, kill her. Wherever you see a human being, kill him until one third of them are dead. That's, that's their job. That's their command. So they're well organized. They have fire, fiery best breastplates. That's, that speaks more of, a, of an image, dark purple, probably something like that, and brimstone. Brimstone is the uh, sulfuric emission. So these are their three weapons. Fire, dark purple is, is the smoke. Smoke and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were like heads of lions. They were vicious. They were, there was, there was no, there was nothing in them but death. And out of their mouths proceed fire, smoke, and brimstone. So this is their weapon. This, these are the weapons they use to kill people. You may remember, uh, oh, I don't know if it's a gospel Luke, the boy that had a demon kept trying to burn himself, kept trying to throw himself in the fire. That's how demons kill people. Asphyxiation, choking, suffocating, burning to death. So out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three plagues, fire, smoke, brimstone, sulfuric emission. A third of mankind was killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone proceeding out of their mouths. For the powers of the horses are in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they injure. So they have what appeared to be a deadly snake on one end and fire and smoke and brimstone out of the other end. And if it was coming out of both ends, they shouldn't have been eating something, I don't know. But they're using both ends to attack humanity until a third of them are dead. And the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. This is why I tell you, once, and we saw at the first slide, we saw how what happened came from the golden altar. So now it's a prayer of judgment, prayer of mercy, prayer of vengeance, and now prayer of judgment. That's the progression of prayer from the saints through the ages that comes forth. It's still a prayer of mercy today. But then it will become a prayer of vengeance and a prayer of judgment all befitting the time that we all long for, namely judgment of sin, consummation of evil, 
All these things. The establishment of the kingdom. So when those prayers then are discharged and, it, and it's, a, it's judgment that comes forth from the horns of the altar. That bespeaks how mercy and grace are over. Nobody else is going to be saved. That's it. What's left is the preservation of those who will enter into the kingdom in their human bodies alive and the destruction of the planet and man and the system, the man-made system on planet Earth, the economic system, the military system, the, the administrative governmental system, all those things be destroyed systematically in what it's, it's what's left. So this is the sixth trumpet. The seventh trumpet will reveal the seven bowls of wrath. Then the seven bowls of wrath will be poured out one after the other. Systematic destruction. The wrath of God coming on people who hate Christ. Did you see that thing on Facebook? I think I may have shared it. It just angered me. This guy, nice looking guy, in his 20s, I guess, held up a sign. It said, let Jesus return, we'll kill him again. That's what he said, only sign. Now this is going to be the mindset of the world rushing to Armageddon to defy the returning Christ. Because they're going to be so angry and unrepentant of all of the things that have happened to them. Nobody's going to say, I deserve it. Forgive me, save me. Nobody's, that's, that's too late. They're worshiping the devil. Here it goes. Did not repent of the works of their hands so that they will worship the demons and gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wooden idols which are neither able to see nor hear nor walk. So they are... Smitten by the worship of Satan and his demons, the Antichrist and his false prophet. And here is the charge against them. They repented not of their murders, nor of their sorceries. You've probably heard this before, but it, it bears uh, repeating. Sorceries, it's right there. Pharmakon. Ton pharmakon. The sorceries of them, their sorceries. Word pharmacy comes from that, pharmaceutical. So it, it means to be enchanted with and to be enchanted by drugs, which is a form of witchcraft. To, to get people to get to get people deeply involved with drugs. It it gives them it gives them dreams and it it makes them numb to the realities of life. And so 
it moves on from there and says, nor of their sexual immorality. The word, there's a very, a very broad word, porneas. Pornea is the singular word. Pornography comes from that word. But it's a broad word. It, it, it could include pornography, but it would include pedophilia. It would include uh, homosexuality. It would include uh, fornication. It would include adultery, uh, bestiality, all, everything, everything that is sexually immoral as defined by the word of God, nor of their thefts. Okay, so here's the picture of mankind at this point. The picture of mankind is there are murderers. They're looking to kill a saint. They might just kill each other. Their brains are fried on drugs and that has led them into witchcraft and mysticism and all kind of pagan ritual. Sexual immorality, unrestrained, aberrant sexual behavior. And they steal. It's almost like I'm watching this every night on television. But it's all over the world and nobody will repent. The restraining force of the Holy Spirit working in the church and the church have been removed. When people get saved, they get killed. This is the world that will receive the wrath of God. And they would not repent. Here are the charges against them. Murder, sorcery, sexual immorality, theft. They think nothing of it. It's just what I do. It's just how I live. Hey, this is it. This is life. I can do what I want to do. What you think is irrelevant to me. What the Bible says, of course, that's a joke. That's meaningless. And those are the charges. The whole world unrestrained in murdering, drug enchantment, witchcraft, pagan rituals, aberrant sexual behavior of every kind, and thieving. I have read in the past year of how it has actually come before state legislatures in the United States of America. I have to research this. But there has even been a debate about changing the laws of pedophilia to make it more like what the Muslim people do with little girls and so forth. Well, apparently, this breaks loose unrestrained in the world and they would not repent. They would not repent. Well, I hope you feel bad. You ought to feel good. We're not going to be here then. We have our deacon prayer time.